Welcome back to That's Rugby Podcast, hosted by the Sports Booth. My name is Luke, and my co-host here is Husey. Husey, hey. a much, much improved performance from your Wallabies to kick off the show. I think, I mean, this is what I've been saying, right? Eddie Jones hasn't had the team for that long. He's just he's just improving them every game. What, what did I say last week? What I had seen out of the Wallabies every week was improvement from the previous week was further refining the squad. And what I really liked, one of the things he talked about last week was depth in the Aussie squad. I think we saw some of that actually be revealed in this game. Obviously, falling short just again doesn't help. And while I have seen improvement every game, I've also seen the same mistakes every game, maybe getting less, but still there. And it's mental errors. It's doing things to ourselves. It's penalties that are unnecessary. It's stupid shit like taking too long to get your own fucking line out set. You know? Yeah. So, and I, I have to say as well, I thought the referee did a bang-up job this game as well. Yeah, look, I, I don't think it also doesn't help when you have a hooker pull out in the last minute and then your starting hooker goes down. Um, so was it Matt Fessler? I don't know how to say Matt Fessler, who I thought, I thought he played really well. Did I was very impressed. I actually in a think very he's probably, tough position. Yeah, and I think he played better than ULSA has played. Um, I think where... I think injuries showed their toll as well. Like, particularly that last scrum... In the last little periods of scrum, you could see when the reserves were on, but also you had guys that had played really extended minutes that were clearly quite tired, like Pone Farmasuli. Like I think he had a great game. I think he was really rock solid in defense, actually. Except for when, for whatever reason, he was he was out on like sort of a wing in a center position, and his back left him to try and cover uh, a center one on one. It's like no, go across and help him, you know. Um, but you know that's not his fault. He's a prop. I thought he did really great work. He's got the size to do similar sort of things that Skelton does as well, which I was really happy with. But you could see that fatigue really took its toll there. And that's again sort of something I touched on last week. I think you know overall fitness can be improved on the Wallabies because then that means if you're fitter, you're not likely to make more mental lapses as well. So I think there's a whole lot of stuff that could be improved over the coming years for the Wallabies. But as you said, improvement which is key. And what's really great about this upcoming World Cup is they've got the easiest pool by far. They will have some games that they can improve on. They can improve as they go before they come into some clutch matches that are the absolute wins in the in the final stages. Whereas for your All Blacks, you've got a really tough match against France. Now, I, I want to... I, 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 we talked a bit about the Wallabies and there's more to say about them, but I actually want to touch on your All Blacks quickly. And one thing I want to sort of ask you about is um, your your halves, because as good as Mc, Damien McKenzie was and as serviceable as um, uh, Finley was, you could just see the total night and day difference when Aaron Smith and Moanga came on. Is that giving you any concern for the World Cup? Because what if one of those two, particularly Aaron Smith, what if Aaron Smith goes down with injury? Yeah. That was uh, that was what I was pretty much going to say. I'm not concerned so much about Richie Mwanga because I think yeah. Aaron Smith is the deal breaker there. I honestly yeah. do like. He's been night and day the best nine in New Zealand this year, mm-hmm. and like I said it in one of the other videos that I've made, I think he could arguably be the best nine in the world um, right at this yeah. moment. And I would have selected team obviously just came out um, from the All Blacks that we'll run through soon, but. I would have selected Brad Webber. I would be a lot safer yeah. going to this World Cup with Brad Webber um, than Finlay Christie. But I know yeah. Brad Webber is one of the three players they've selected to go over, travel to London and be in London and um, be there for in case of injury. Um, but it, I'm hella nervous. Uh, if, if Aaron Smith goes down, I honestly would rather see Cam Roygaard go on, and that's crazy to think I, I when agree. you're talking about a one-test one all-black if it's a Rugby World Cup final. Yeah, it is. it's one of those things that... I don't, like, we talk a lot about, like, Richie Mwanga going, Adi Sevilla having a sabbatical, Sam Whitelock, Brody Retallick. Yeah. Aaron Smith has been kind of glossed over because especially yeah. he plays for the Highlanders who haven't been good in, in the past few years. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we've got a lot of upcoming halfbacks, a lot of younger guys around that are Fakatava, you know, your Finlay Christie's Camroy guards, all of them, TJ Perinara's came back. But Aaron Smith's going to be a massive loss, and I don't think we're going to realise yeah. that just how much... It will the, be the speed at which he can get oh, the ball out of the ruck and his the decision making, it's yeah. just it's it's just a clear clear tier difference there. You know, um, he was just it, when he came on, he tr- he transformed the the All Blacks game. He, got, he just got things 
running a lot smoother because they made a lot of penalties in that first period of the game where he wasn't in. Um, uncharacteristic all-black mistakes, you know? And when he came on, he just tightened everything up. He just, see, and maybe that's just his experience as well, but, you know, these younger guys, experience is not something you could fake. Experience is earned. Experience is time, and you can't cheat time. And, it, you know, I, I that's, that's one of the big things that came away looking at the all-black side is that far out Aaron Smith makes this, like ties this squad together and then got me thinking, you know, towards those, you know, your game against France and then, you know, quarter semis and finals time, you know, Aaron Smith's not going to play a full 80. When you've got to put someone else on, it almost feels like the All Blacks have got to have a, a lead at that point um, or a, and even a high enough lead that another team can't come back against because once he goes, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it'd be interesting to see against a France and an Ireland and things like that. But yeah, yeah that, that for me flagged a bit of concern. I definitely don't see a reserve halfback getting more than five to 10 minutes. Like it's yep. more like either we're in trouble and, you know, not saying Aaron Smith hasn't done his job, but we're in trouble and we need to spark. Yep. So we've made that change or we're up and Aaron Smith's fading and we want to close the game out. Like again, yep. I see what you mean. Like it is, it's probably, I think it would say it's our, it's the biggest fear in this Rugby World Cup for us is Aaron Smith injury. Like, we need a bold yeah. grip, Aaron Smith. Like, there's every other player, like, Damien McKenzie didn't have a good game, um, quite clearly, but yeah. he is he is one of those players when he clicks, it's yeah. you'll, you'll beat a team by 50 points. If he doesn't click, I think you'll still stay in the fight with him there. Yeah. Um, I think he had so a solid but not spectacular, spectacular game. game. Like, and, it wasn't necessarily anything wrong, but you could just see Mwanga was just a, a bit better when he came on. I think, and that's just... Moanga's had a bit more, um, like experience in that All Blacks sort of area, you know. Like, totally. Mackenzie's used to his, um, used to his Chiefs teammates probably a bit more, and you know, Moanga's just, I don't, know, and maybe he just has a bit more of a feel for what it's like at that just next level up. And again, it shows you the difference between Super Rugby and and Test Rugby. Totally, and I think as well we made the changes in the front row and we started dominating the yeah. scrum, as you said. The fatigue started to play a part where. Moonga was able able to, I guess, work with that fatigue, and you know that's. If there is one thing that this is showing me, it's the fact that if we can stay in the fight still, and we can hold on with teams, even with a experience an inexperienced squad and changes we made against that Wallabies team, you know we stayed in that fight, and when we brought on yep. those subs who were our best players, they they made the impact. And like, and like you said, it, it, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's a fitness, as much of a fitness thing as you think, but it is the skill execution at the end of games yeah. is just a different level. And uh, I, credit to the Wallabies, like it was a much better performance. I, they just need to find a way to score points. Like I look back and, uh, and the, yeah. the, the game that always will stick out. And I'm sure it is for you as well as Perth when you put 47 on us. Like, yeah, that's how cutthroat you have to be at every game at this level. And it's showing you're not going to win by scoring 20 points against the All Blacks. Yep. Like, you're not going to get a situation against the All Blacks where, like Wales did against England, it's 20 to 9. You just, to hold yep. an All Blacks team under 10 points is just incredible. Like, you look back, and I look back as a New Zealand fan, I look back at England doing it in a semi final. So I go, look, the Wallabies, knowing Eddie Jones, they wouldn't have, they definitely didn't go into their shell. But I think they'll be disappointed to be up 17 3 or whatever yep. it was. And 17 3 at half. Yeah, look, I want to point out to your point here about scoring 20 points. Let's look at all the results from the from the week. Right? The, the winner in each of these games, except for the uh, Wales over England win, scored over 20 points. So Scotland was, scored 25, Ireland scored 33, Samoa scored 34. New Zealand scored 23, Fiji scored 35, USA scored 31, Uruguay scored 26, South Africa scored 24, and the Argentina XV scored 40. So over 20 points is that magical... The 20-point barrier it seems to be the magical barrier where you can you can secure a win, right? Um, and I, I think it is worth talking about the Wallabies now, you know, in a bit more depth than what we did at the start, um, because obviously there were changes for the for the Wallabies in this game as well. Like, both teams were had a had some overhauls. Wallabies one's probably a bit more forced than the All Blacks ones with injuries. Um, one area for concern for me is 
obviously Alan Alatoa missing this World Cup is a big deal, but I think it's going to be a bigger deal than what people realize. Yeah. I think he is such a central figure in terms of team morale, but also the scrum is just, he's going to be uh, a, a big impact. Now, I think once Taniela Tupo comes back a bit, uh, I think it might ameliorate a little bit, but I, and I like what I saw out of Pone Farmacilli. I think James Slipper didn't look as strong to me as what I thought he was going to. Like, I think he had, he's had a better Brumbies season than what he's had in his Wallabies jersey so far this year. Do you just stopping you there? Do you think it's actually more the fact that Bell's playing out of his skin because Bell had another fantastic game? You know what I mean? Uh yes and no. I think it's similar to a Damien McKenzie type thing, where Damien McKenzie had a fantastic Super Rugby season, but just at that, he he hasn't he didn't fire the same in, in at the All Blacks level uh, on Saturday. I think Super had a fantastic Super Rugby season. I just think he's not achieving that level that he achieved during the Super Rugby season at the Wallabies level right at this moment. I mean, maybe he turns it on in France a bit more once he's had a bit more of a break between, you know, Super Rugby season and now. Like, a Super Rugby season is long. Long yeah. for when you're that age. Totally. So, totally. I think once he has a bit of a break, it'd be good. Zane Nongo was a bit of a non-event for me. Didn't really... Didn't, I, think, I didn't yeah. really notice him that much. I would be so. surprised surprised if he ends up in the squad but if he does he, he is your fifth sixth choice prop like it's not well, a bad I, it's not a bad fifth or sixth choice well I'd actually go. like to see Tom Lambert in there I think he's actually pretty Tom underrated Tom Lambert is a number one though yes but I'm still saying for like Zane's depth. a three Yes, he is. Probably, you're probably right. He, I'd still like to see Tom Lambert in a game at some point. Maybe in the, the try match against France and give him a run. Not Maybe not in the three jersey or you know whatever side he plays on. I'd still actually like to see him get a gold jersey at some point. Yeah, yeah I get Even what you're as, But I'm just, yeah, I'm thinking at it from a purely numbers-based depth position. I'm pretty sure Zane Nagore isn't a yeah. bad third choice. Tight yeah, bad third choice after said, Tupo and, and Pharmacilla, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then well, I, I even put, yeah, I'm I'm just thinking because with like, because Slipper's 34, and I know he's one of the two Wallabies captain, but even that's changed now because Tate McDermott's also a captain, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see in the in the trial match against France. I'd actually like to see, uh, yeah, maybe Slipper have a rest for that game again, and just just to give him time to to rest before the World Cup as well. What's and and see Lambert play in that game. Good about this World Cup is it is the longest tournament, rugby World Cup tournament we've ever had. So they're taking player safety very seriously. I think it's like yeah. a minimum of seven game seven days before between games. Um yeah. so it's like a lot of people we're talking about depth here, but the last World Cup you could only select thirty one, now you can select thirty three. Mm. Last World Cup I think it was a bit tighter than it is this World Cup. So it's not depth shouldn't be such an issue. Like you're going to have those games against your, you know, your Romanians, Romanians, your Portugals, mm. where you're going to rest players, of course. But when push comes to shove, you ideally will have your best players out there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So and then the other changes in the squad. I think the I think Carter Gordon had a far and away better game. His kicking was much better. And again, I think the MCGs a funky atmosphere to to kick in. Um, particularly considering they weren't allowed on the pitch, but also his first game starting. You know, yeah. in his second game starting, looked much, much better, much more comfortable in there. And I think he even saw a difference between him and Quaid. I mean, obviously, Quaid kicked that amazing 58-meter <laughs> goal, which is just incredible. Incredible boot on that. Um, I think Carter Gordon will be haunted by the one that went off the went off the post because that's the worst thing that can happen on a penalty, Right. Like, at least if it goes over the line, there's a dropout, even if you miss. But when it bounces off the bar, the other team just gets the ball. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's about the worst thing that could happen there. But again, it's not, a, it's still not an easy kick kick to make. But I think that's probably going to be something that the Wallabies actually need to think about is, like, kicking when when Quade Cooper isn't on the pitch, right? Is who's out, like, is Carter Gordon the guy to go to there? I, I wouldn't mind seeing... Because Nick White's a decent kicker as well, with some range on him. So what if you had a hard pairing of Nick White and Carter Gordon, and then you swap it out for Tate McDermott and Quaid? That way you've got 
a kicker on at all times, one with decent range and and proven. Like Carter Gordon, even if he's got the range, he's got the skill, he doesn't have the experience. And so those big moments, maybe they get to him. We don't... Those, who could say? Because it's a World Cup, right? He's those, going to his first those, World Cup at... Those 2020 tied games in Dunedin, a big moment, you need your kicker to step up and Rich Moonga. Player yep. like that stepping up and kicking goals. I see what you're saying. It's it's a very valid point. I'd be, again, we haven't yep. seen that combo yet really much. Nick White and Carter Gordon. I wonder if there is a reason why, but it'll be interesting. I mean, and in that way, both halves pairings you have experience in youth, right? Totally. So there's totally. there's but there's benefits to have Eddie hit me up. You want to pay me a consulting fee? <laughs> uh, Tom Hooper, I think has. I wasn't that impressed by him in the game against South Africa, but maybe that's a whole squad thing. I This game was way better. Way better from Tom Hooper. Just the energy he had was great. Fraser McWright as well was great. I really liked the thing, stuff that our back row did in this game, but Tom Hooper for me just had an amazing performance. He, he's definitely starting to fit into that jersey a bit better, isn't he? Mm. Um, yeah, that first game struggled at six. Then they tried him at seven for the All Blacks game, which I don't know what that was about. Um, and then they moved him back. And it was, it, it's just, they gel a lot better. Like I get, he was trying yeah. to get a big pack, a big strong pack when you're um, muscling up against the All Blacks. But you need that, even though Fraser McWright probably didn't have his best game, especially at a Pilfer um, type yeah. game. It's still a threat, you know. It's there, and I'm sure the All Blacks would have been targeting it, and that allows your scoutings, you know, your other players yeah. there, um, Robbie Valentini, who we who can get over a ball, Tom Hooper, if he has to, um, be able to do what they have to do. And Tom Hooper, in all fairness, is his one of his best attributes. Is, attributes is his tackling and defense, and again, yeah. he made another twenty odd tackles in the game, and he's going to make you those twenty tackles, miss one or two, and pretty safe as houses. Another line out option. Probably a step yeah. up from Jed Holloway, like from what I've seen. Yeah. And again, we both love Jed. Like, we both agree that Jed. I think Jed is again a fantastic player, good depth. But yeah, if if Tom Hooper can fit into those shoes, and even if you get Michael Hooper back, Hooper Hooper Valentini could be a a go. I'm I'm still interested of when of when. I think it's a when, not if. We see Lang and Gleeson. I'm still really interested, and yeah. I don't know why. I'd love to know. I don't think he's injured, but he may be. Fakiri hasn't seen any pitch time, and. To me, he was a standout last year. Like the the try against the French, the the turnover against the All Blacks. I just sit there has and I go, been, "He has been injured." I'm he just injured. I'm interested to know. Like, and again, we've talked about this for so long, Australia. Okay, Australian rugby. I'm looking at you now. Sort your shit out and tell us what's happening with these players because we don't know. Yeah. And we and we're we're dedicated followers. Like we are the yeah. ones who should know. And if we don't know, nobody knows. And tell me, when are the Australians naming their World Cup squad, bud? Who knows. Who the fuck? I don't know. I tried to search it today and I couldn't find it. I couldn't. I on the website, they had, on the Australian Rugby website, they have a list of everyone squads that they're getting named and they're updating them. So Samoa's name there. They had well, uh, New Zealand's team when it was, what time it was going up, which was five o'clock New Zealand time today. Mm-hmm. Nothing about their own one. And I just sit there and I go, we've got, we've harped onto this one too many times, but just let us know. Like, it's not a big thing if you just say Fakiti's out with an ankle injury, he'll be out for three weeks, he's still in with the squad. NRL like, does it so well. NRL yeah. does it so well. They give you the weeks. Yeah, every day. We update it weekly. Um, but while we're speaking of centers, actually, I think Jordi Pattaya has had a forgettable uh, couple of weeks. Um, I don't think he's played his best. I think, I, don't, I think his running has been good. I think his decision-making has been iffy. Especially those kick throughs. I don't think his kicks. <laughs> I don't think his kicks are that great. I want to see Parisi. I need I, to see Parisi in there, and I think Parisi's defense is better as well. I'm interested. I was interested in what you were saying there because an attacking threat that he is um, yes. makes meters really good strong carrier. He's kicked some fucking terrible kicks, and it's not terrible kicks as in the kicks have been terrible themselves. The decision making behind the kicks, and I'm yeah. I'm a big believer. Is, there's a reason to kick. You're either Kicking to clear, you're kicking to put it out, or you're kicking to contest. A lot of grubbers, his went just, you're attacking 40 metres out, and he's grubbed it in, and an All Black's been at the back there, they've picked it up, who's and, and, 60 and metres down the field. Kel- Kellaway's coming through, but he just doesn't have, he hasn't given him a chance to get it. Exactly. Right? It's, it's, not, it's not contestable. Exactly. And either Kellaway or Nwangani Tawasa have been able to get to it. Those have been his two sort of attacking uh, options from the kicks. And that's why I'd like to see, again, I, I wanted to see Parisi before now, 
I, I think if you're testing out your squad, I don't think you should be cementing Pattaya in that jersey. I don't think anyone really should be cemented in their jersey other than other than sort of Karevi, Korobedi, Skelton, and since he's come back from injury, Angus Bell, right? I think that, and, you know, everyone else has got a case to make for themselves. They've got to earn their earn their jerseys, right? And I don't think Pattaya should be the anointed 13. I think you've got to see what Parisi could do. I think um, we've talked about the kicking, but I also mentioned decision-making and defense. Um, I think Parisi is more solid in both than Pattaya. From what I've seen at Super Rugby level, I think Parisi has it has better skills at that outside center position in defense and decision-making than what I've seen from Pattaya in these last four weeks. Um, and especially, uh, as we said with the kicking, you know this little grubber through kicking or tactical kicking seems to be part of Eddie Jones' stratagems. And I don't mind that. I don't mind seeing some innovation in those sort of things rather than just passing side to side, you know, mixing it up a bit. Um, but you've got to be able to make those kicks. You've got to be effective in those. And I don't think Pattaya has been. I think Parisi deserves a chance to show that he can be that, that he can do that. Or, um, or you know, it's just a chance to prove that he can do it better than Pattaya. And if he can't, then go back to Pattaya. I would have thought after two or three games, we've seen what we need to from Pattaya. Let's give Parisi a shot. Let's see what he can do. We didn't see that. It's unfortunate. Um, yeah, I think that's that. That was one of my other big ones in the game. I'm looking at. It, I'm just like, oh, it's just if that if he was there's a couple of little things better in his decision making, his defense, and his kicking. It would have been it, it, the the ability to score more points would have, would have been there as well because he is a key sort of link in the in the back line. Um, and something that was pointed out in our sort of sports group chat that we have going is that. Um, the New Zealand backs outrocked the Australian backs in a lot of cases, right? I think there are a couple of exceptions to that. I think Korobedi and Karevi are probably the two exceptions in that. I think they had very strong ruckages, but I think elsewhere, pretty poor. And one thing I will criticize Tate McDermott for is a lot of times he would have one of his players run forward and He's yelling at his own players to get in the ruck, and then Artie Savia's got his hands on the ball to turnover. Just put your fucking head down and get in there, yeah. right? If your forwards, if you're yelling at your forwards to get in there, get in there yourself. You yeah. know, like it's gonna cause a turnover. Like, yeah, you you might be wanting to run a play off the back of this ball, but it's better to have possession and not and not be able to run the play that you want than cause a turnover. I was really disappointed in that. Um. Okay, shall we move on to some of the other games? Obviously, we've talked heavily about the uh, All Blacks versus the Wallabies. Of course. 2-0, um, a slow sweep. Uh, still haven't won in New Zealand for 21 years. Uh, we will leave it at that. Um, oh, I have to ask, though. I have to ask, though. How nervous were you at halftime? Well, fucking... Okay, don't get me wrong. I understand an afternoon game in New Zealand. I get it. I get what they were trying to do. Women's World Cup was on. But I'm playing footy at that time. So I wasn't nervous. Oh, yeah. I'm coming off the field and... We're up. We're, we've just scored our second try. It was like seventeen fourteen all of a sudden, or seventeen. Yeah. I don't know what the what we just scored our second try. So I sat there and I I missed all the nervous energy about it. I wasn't nervous, so yeah. I got lucky in that because I'd sat there and talked a lot of shit about how we're going to spank you by sixty. And if I'd come off at halftime and we were down, I would have been in a bit of a shit show. But so yeah, I wasn't nervous, but I would have okay. been. I would have been. I yep. yeah. Um, but yes. So the Springboks. Uh, bit Argentina, and which was another yeah. scrappy affair. Um, Springboks have a dominant second half, and I think Argentina will be disappointed again. Not Springboks' strongest team, but still not. I haven't. I'm yet to see a polished performance since they took on you guys in the first game of the rugby yeah. championship. So it'll be really interesting that game in Twickenham. Who turns up? Who's it playing? Makes in you that wonder game. about whether their supposedly best squad they sent over to New Zealand, like all those players this time, was. Really, their best squad, you know. Exactly, exactly. Maybe you face the best squad. Uh, it, their squad naming is going to be really interesting. I must say, for a team, kind of we're all over the place a little bit. Not as in like all over in in dis- disarray or anything, but just you know, they sent players here and players there and players everywhere. Yeah. It will be really interesting to see where their squad ends up. Um, Wales then bet England in what I think I would call a shock because England named a strong enough team. Yeah. The only two players I really missing were Owen Farrell and Courtney Laws, which I know are big, big time players. But 
Wales, impressive, impressive, impressive. Shit game. I watched the game, um, not live, but I watched it back. Oh, oh, I, I, yeah, I don't know what to say much about that one. Uh, it was a tough watch. A lot of handling errors. Like we saw, like you said, they, they were the only team to score twenty points and win Wales, and I'm not surprised in that game. Twenty nine points in a game. It was, yeah. They both are going to need to improve to get out of their pools. Let, let me say that. But yeah. Wales do have a budding superstar, Jack Morgan. Um, kept in the team from the open side was unreal, um, and is going to be a hell of a player. I think he's only they like need 22, 23. Play like that to rally around and, and turn the ship around. They've also picked up Tane Plumtree, uh, who played for the Blues um, in Super Rugby last year, uh, but signed with a Welsh team. He's a Welsh back uh, background, uh, so that's big pick up, and he came on a lock reserve lot for them. So look, heading them back in the right direction, Wales. Um, but yeah, I love to see. I'm of Welsh background myself, so I'd love to see that. Uh, you can't you can't hate the Welsh. That's uh, no. one of the things. So you hope for the best with them. Scotland then bet France's B team. Um, but we'll take any day France get yeah. beat. I'm a happy man. And not in France, importantly. So exactly. France, they don't care about games outside of France. Uh, but they're I'm just, just saying it's another everyone talking up France, but they can't beat Scotland. That's all I'm saying. But they're and not playing in France. They're playing the World Cup in France. They've but, rigged it so that they can win. So they, they're playing saying, in France. Hey. Just watch Sorry? out. That's all right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, here we go. Who? So, are you playing them next week or two weeks? No, no, no. Not till the 28th. 28th. What, do three we week, three weeks from today. They play Scotland in France next week. Yep, in France. Interesting. And that, see, that'll be, I, you know, that'll be different. You know, so. if they name their A squad and they're playing in France, well, this will be the true litmus test of, of your theory, Luke, yep. about France only win in France. Like, it changes their... It just it's I, something I, it's something in the cheese it's I something do, <laughs> in the dairy products that just it makes them operate differently. I don't want to say that they only win in France, but I'm I'm going to be more than happy when they lose in France as well. Like yeah, that they they just don't win anywhere else was more the theory I was I was sticking with. Yeah, um, I look I, I I think and I agree with you. I think that outside of France, they're a totally they're they're a different different team. Um, you know. It, but the World Look, Cup's in France, we'll, like you said. <laughs> but the World Cup is in France, so we'll see. We'll see. And importantly, there's a Napoleon movie coming out this year as well. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> this is France is setting this up to be their year. They're bitter about the Soccer World Cup last year, so they're trying to make up for it with the Rugby World Cup this year. They're all going to pretend they're really into rugby, um, and that soccer's the tier two sport in France, um, <laughs> just to make up for the shame of the World Cup, and you know, be all sorts of that, and be charcuterie boards everywhere. You know. There you go. Uh, Ireland beat Italy, which was Ireland's pretty much their B team. Um, beating uh, uh, a decent Italian side, still only 33-17. So I think Italy, man, I would I wish they weren't in our pool and um, France's pool because I think they'd have a good chance um, with the team that they're putting together. Uh, Samoa then embarrassed Tonga, and which surprised me a little bit, uh, the way I thought that I'm obviously a big Tongan believer at the moment, but Samoa team, they've just named their World Cup team, is looking fire. They've... Brought in Ben Lamb, who, what I looked at their team, I was like, they are missing a little bit of winging strike power. Well, that's a, a strike power on the wing. And Lima Sopwonga being selected in that, who hasn't played for Samoa yet. I just sit there and I'm like, man, Samoa in a good pull, man. This is a chance, Samoa, watch out for them. And then Fiji beat Japan, who Japan are just struggling to stay out of the um, red card book because they had a red card in the seventh minute and two games that they've... Lost two red cards early in the game. So, look. Just because it's on your flag doesn't mean you need to have one. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they need to sort that out, eh? But then I still think Fiji are another one of those dark horses in, in your pool. Um, yet to lose in this Pacific Nations Cup. Yet to name probably a fully strong team, a full strength team. I'll be interested how yeah. they go with their selections for the World Cup. Uh, but Fiji. Could very easily be second in our pool. Oh, very, very easily, and and that Wales versus Fiji game in that in that pool is going to be intense. We we say you've got the easy pool, but after you guys and up, I'm going to say this preferencing the performance I saw on Saturday. After you guys, you'll top your pool if you play the way you did as you did on um, Saturday. But after that, it goes Wales, Georgia, Fiji, and all three of those yeah. teams. Like what I do like, like saying it again, you've got. F- Three challenging games, which is a good thing to have. Like we're saying, you're in the easy pool, but those games, it's not like they're walking the parks. Yeah, 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 totally. So you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes in those games, and it'll cost you. 
and it'll be learning curves for the the, the final, which, like you've said this whole time, is, is what you're building to. So, look, I mean, yeah, that pool, as much as the... I get why Paul B's the pool of death. I actually think this could be one of those outside pools of death where you just don't know who could beat who. Yeah, I think that second position in the pool will be heavily contested. Totally. Heavily, heavily contested. And, I, you know, maybe Wall- the Wallabies get embarrassed there. I would hate for that to happen, but at the same time, be good for world rugby. But I would have to have very, obviously, bitter emotions about it. But, yeah, it's a, it'll be a contest. It'll be a bloodbath for sure. Totally. Um... The All Black squad's been named, uh, which yeah. not a lot of changes from the squad. I made a um, final prediction video Sunday, yesterday, uh, and I sat there and the only change I had that isn't in the team, I knew they were going to go five loose forwards, everyone out there. So everyone's sitting there and surprised that they went five loose forwards. Of course they went five loose forwards so they could carry one of those explosive outside backs because as much as the forwards win... The rugby games, the outside backs are what's going to help us in this tournament. Like Mark Talia, Lesha Fanganuki, you just couldn't leave one of them, Caleb Clark, even him, behind. And we didn't need Finau. It's not, this isn't a, it was never a pitch against Finau. It was more, we've got five really good loose forwards and Jacobson, Kane, Savia, I put myself on the spot, Frizzell and Popoliti, all who can play a range of those six, seven, eight, with Scott Barrett able to play six. I just sat there and went, they're, they're choosing it, and this is how they're going to split it. And they did. So the only yeah. change to the team I would have made to this team is Brad Weber in for Christie. Yeah. Um, other than that, I love everything. David Harvey's come back and earned his yeah. spot back, which I think was the right call. Braden and all the unlucky one there. But I'm not too, like, you know, I know went off injured, so I'm hoping hopefully a speedy recovery for him because he's a good, he's definitely the depth you need. Um, and a lot of people are going to judge Caleb Clark. I, I'm sceptical of his and Will Jordan's defence, um, but I think that's why they've taken the extra back to see who's going to be performing on the big stage. Yep. you find Nuku, Mark Talia there as well. So, look, I'm fucking excited. Squads are getting named. Jerseys are pretty much all dropped. We Who are like... going to be the, uh, the fullback? Bowden Barrett. Bowden? Yeah, yeah no, he's, they, been, he's been named in the first first fives. He got named in the first fives of the rugby championship. Yeah, they're, they're, he'll Chris be the fullback. as well. Yeah, he'll be the fullback. He, the way he played has been playing, and even what we looked for in the last weekend game when he wasn't there and Will Jordan was there. And I, I was a big fan of Will Jordan in the back pre this year. Obviously, Will Jordan missed most of the uh, Super Rugby year uh, with migraines or missed a good portion of it. Um, but uh, what I've seen from Will Jordan, he's on the wing. Him and Talia on the wing, and then yep. Barrett at the back. Uh, yeah, that that. Easy to me. And then again, like you said, if McKenzie isn't clicking and we go like Barrett on the bench or something like that, like there's just so many things you can do with Barrett and his uh, utility ability. We also mentioned Samoa named their World Cup squad a very good World Cup squad, so watch for them. In another very interesting pool, like I was looking at that one um, and we were talking about you and Fiji, but England just lost to Wales and pretty much pretty close to full strength. Argentina... Other than their win against you, you know, lost twice to South Africa, lost well to New Zealand, they're not probably where I'd like to say they are or were last year with their famous win over the All Blacks, but they're there. Japan quite clearly taking a step back at the moment. will need a big um, World Cup to, to show me that they're anything different. So I sit there and I go, Samoa, man, they could beat England, they could beat Japan, they could even beat Argentina on their day when they've got all these All Blacks coming back and the team that they've built. Um, I just sit there and I go, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be one of those World Cups, you know. You, uh, there's yeah. going to be a couple of shocks. 100%. what we love. Now, my friend, I've got a question for you. We obviously don't know when this World, Wallabies World Cup squad's going to be named, as we said. Um, but I would like to hear, kind of, you don't have to go through your whole squad, but some yeah. bolters. I think there's, we, we, we know a good crux. Like, Bell's in there, Slipper's in there. Um, your hooker's are an interesting point. I think your locks are set. Um, your flanks, like, you know, you've got a lot, after what I saw on Saturday, you've got the building blocks, but any bolters or any positions that you're interested in might change from now to when the squad's named. Uh, I think our outside backs, similar to yours, will be interesting to see who Eddie takes with him. Like, is he going to stick with Vunavalu and is Wright going to be left out in the cold? Which is probably something I disagree with. I think Wright would be better 
on the wing than Vunavalu. Like right now, like I know you're saying you believe in Vunavalu and he's got a future on the wing. I don't know if he's it right now. I think Wright has, he's got really good big play potential on the, on the wing. Like we saw him and Fichetti last year in France had that amazing length of the field try. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's in there. And yeah, the centers as well. Uh, you know, as you said, is Fichetti going to be back? Uh, you know, who is Reese Hodge going to be part of the squad? Like, it's, that's a very crowded room. Um, Len Ikatao is going to be back from injury at some point as well. I and you know, I think he's the he's a he's unfortunate that he went out the way he did, but I think he's very good outside center to pair with Karevi as well. Um, so I think those sort of positions are pretty interesting. I think our halves are set now. You know, I I think this is. Carter Gordon's ship to steer from the 10 position um, with Quaid probably coming in to, to seal a few games out. Um, I'd be interested to see who's the third um, uh, 10 that they take. Uh, Just, that was it, exactly what I was going to ask you. Are you going Donaldson? I think it's probably going to be Ben Donaldson because I think he's also Eddie's one of Eddie's utility players along with Dylan Peach. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um and that yeah, Bernard Foley's probably, you know, might be told to head back to Japan or something. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, uh, and then, yeah, who's the third halfback that they take with them as well? You know, lots of, you know, questions. We'll see. Uh, it's not going to be Jake Gordon. We know that because he's playing in, playing well, in France. Well, saying that, he's just been released. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it happened today. They just brought in. Now, I don't know why. I didn't read the actual article, but I saw he got released. So I don't know if it's... It is very interesting if, if it's not injury-related. Did he t- potentially get a call um, from Eddie to third. say, say, hey, look, yep. I actually haven't liked what I've seen from Ryan Lonergan enough to trust him in a, as a third World Cup halfback. Um, I did have one player in mind that kind of... I know it's out. It's definitely an outsider because Eddie Jones hasn't seen him. In a yellow jersey, but he was a former All Black. Now Kerbalo. Yeah, you mentioned him before. Now he is eligible to play for Australia after his three-year stand down. He plays for La Rochelle, had a fantastic season. Has said, "Look, if he got the call, he'd take it." You've, if you haven't got your decision made in your third halfback, is there a bit there that goes, "You know what? I take a risk and I bring him over, bring him into the squad." If in doubt, I've got the two I already want. If not, if he does start performing well, like it just a, a total outsider would be a shock to the to the system, um, but it, it nonetheless could be a, a great pickup. Look, if any coach would do it, it'd be Eddie Jones. You know, like he reached out and plucked uh, Richie Arnold when everyone's talking about his brother Rory. Exactly. You know? He so yeah. Look, I I wouldn't I would never say it's an impossibility, especially with this coach. Um, I think one other player that we've mentioned that we haven't seen in a gold jersey is Langy Gleason. I really want to see him in that gold jersey because he is a hammer that you need against teams like the All Blacks. Um, I really wanted to see him in this game. Uh, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see some more lock depth, like a Caden Neville come in there or a Darcy So Because you, you'll take at least four locks. So your four lock, three of them will be Frost, Arnold, and uh, Skelton. Oh. Who's the fourth? Yeah. Caden Neville. Caden Neville or Darcy Swain, I reckon. I probably prefer Caden Neville because Swain's a bit of an idiot. What about a Lockie Swinton out of the blue? No, I don't think so. Don't, I don't think, think so. And I don't think so. I don't think I think he's Pete I think Samu Eddie as well. Too risky. Sorry? Pete Samu, Pistol Pete. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll be in the extended squad, um, as one of the Lucys, but I don't know if you'll see that much game time. Yeah, interesting. Which is disappointing because he's quite good. But I think it's the depth that we've got. It's, you know, it's like, especially with how Tom Hooper's been playing, how Fraser Wright has played, and I'm sure we'll get back to his standard with if Hooper comes back, Bobby V. Like it's it's just like you know, you got three you, you got three spots, um, and a bench spot. So you got four spots and a lot of very talented players. Um, I mean, I'd love to see Tom Lambert play some games. I think Fessler he he quite impressed me. His, his play um, on there. I don't know if necessarily you call him a bolter, but maybe he's leapfrogged ULSA now. Um, yeah. I can't really think of this. I think by now, I don't think there's going to be that many bolters, to be honest. Yeah. I think Eddie's 
done that every game is refined his squad, refined his squad, refined his squad. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think there'll be too many upsets in the in the selections. It shall be interesting though who makes the final thirty three and follow us on Instagram to see that whenever they announce it, which we don't know, no one seems to know. But Eddie Jones, the man himself, um, my friend, you want to take us off with the last point for today? Yes. So I was doing some philosophizing and thinking, as you know that I do. Oh, that's dangerous. Uh, I know, very very dangerous. Uh, but. We've talked a few times, and it's been in the media about a Super Rugby draft, right? And one of the big questions is, well, how do you make it work? And what about the, you know, the the, the clubs that put a lot into development? You know, like the Waratahs, Reds, you know, all the Super Rugby clubs—they put a lot into development, right? And so then they sort of lose out when you get a really talented kid come through. So I, so I've I've had sort of an idea of. And also another question is, when does someone become draft eligible? Like, how do the mechanics of this draft work? If you look at something like the NFL draft, right? It's once they they have to be a certain number of years out of high school, um, and usually they've gone to college, um, and that's a that's been the sort of requirement with basketball. It's I don't think you need to. I think you can qualify for the draft straight out of high school. No. And thinking of that, I thought, sorry. You can't, but you can, you have to play a year in the G League. Ah, okay. There so, you go. But close enough. Yep. So my thinking was high school is the that's – the, that's where you draft players out of. They have to have finished high school. And um, are you maybe can add some other stipulations around that, like they have to be at least 18 years of age or something, yada, yada, yada. But high school, and in that way, again, one of the good things – I think the NFL draft is – the best draft, right? Like that is the biggest draft in the world. It's a huge event. There's so much analysis that goes into it and it matters the most, right? Out of out of all of the drafts, like the NBA draft, like, yeah, it matters, but also a huge part of NBA is the free agency, probably more so than the draft, right? Totally. Um, and then, you know, we don't even bother talking about baseball and hockey. Like they're not, they're, the sports just aren't on the, the level where we want Super Rugby to, to be. Uh, because we want Super Rugby to be like NFL is the the competition of the of the nation, right? Or, yeah. or or the NBA, you know, have it like Super Rugby and NRL. They're the two competitions, like the NFL and NBA are really. So you draft about high school, and then that what it does in the NFL draft, you know, the stories of the colleges, like oh, this player's out of Alabama. Alabama's had a good successful program. You do that now with the high schools, right? Like in Australia, you think of Joey's. Right, as Joey's is the biggest rugby school in Australia, it's coming out of you know coming out of Joey's, you know they've had a successful program. You talk about those high school coaches then as well. In New Zealand, you know the schools that are really good there, Wellington College. Wellington College, that's my college, yep. my friend. Yes, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. So there you go. You know you get the, you get the high quality players like the Luke Bowden's coming out of oh, Wellington College. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then so you can name, and then that's the draft point. There is it's the school, and then what that means as well is that. These super rugby clubs have to have scouting in Australia and New Zealand. You get more eyes on high school rugby um, and, and things like that. And so then that, I think that gives it a pretty clear delineation of that's the cutoff point, right? And that's where you draft the players from. Because that's been the big question is when did these players sort of draft eligible? And then as well, the clubs don't necessarily need to put them into your starting squad straight away at 18. You can still have your development squads and then that's where they play or they go play for a shoot shield team uh, for a bit, you know, while they're still developing, but you draft them out of high school because that's sort of what um, baseball does. Is a, totally. Hearing about baseball draft is someone that's drafted in baseball, they don't play for the Major League Baseball team straight away. They go to sort of their development team for a bit, you know, get some reps under them, learn how to play prof- like a professional, and then they get elevated to the big leagues. I think something like that where you draft the kid out of high school and then he's in your development. So that way you're not wasting your development uh, or you feel like you're wasting your development because then you have developed this player, but you've developed them from a high school level onwards for two years, three years, however long it takes them to you feel like they're ready for the big leagues. And that, I think, gives you a good delineation between... Uh, it gives you a good demarcation point of, yes, this is where the draft is set. And then it just adds sort of the elements of the NFL draft to it. Like I said, you say, oh, you know player Johnny Smith out of Joey's selected first overall to, uh, you know, uh, to Moana Pacifica, <laughs> things like that. 
So I think, you know, I think that would be a really interesting idea. And I'm interested now to hear your thoughts on this. Well, yeah. Because it's not perfect plan by any means. No, no, no. No, I, again, I, the, the issue I have with this idea is I think high school's too young for these players to be understanding what life is. Like, yeah, we're talking about 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Like, again, as much as I'd love to be able to hype up like I loved college rugby, and I think college rugby is or college high school rugby. Um, I think they're it's fantastic. I would prefer not to put the pressure on players who I don't think can handle it yet, which are sixteen to eighteen year olds. I just don't think a lot of them are not ready. Look, we get the special superstars like Suli. You get some of them coming out like Peter Larkai, who I am also am a huge fan of. But I just think it's a little bit too much pressure, a little bit too much spotlight on players who aren't ready for it. So. I actually like this idea, and, and I'm just going to turn your question and, and turn it into this. I love what you've done with the colleges. I still think that should be a big part of this. But what I actually think would work really well is another competition for 18 to 23-year-olds. So yeah. it has nothing to do with Super Rugby. It's not connected to Super Rugby. It's a competition. It would be set up exactly like Super Rugby, but it doesn't have any affili- affiliation other than they get drafted there for 18 to 23-year-olds. So you'd have, instead of the New South Wales Waratahs, you could have, let's say, Sydney, Sydney, um, I don't, Sydney, what's a Sydney, let's go, Sydney. Sydney Sharks or something Sydney like that. Sydney Sharks, let's do that. So Sydney Sharks, um, and this is your, like, again, like, like NBA does, they have the G League, we call it the, you know, the R League, so the Rugby League, um, whatever you want to call it, um, and... From that is where, in the end of each year, so they can play from 18 to 23, at the end of each year, you can make yourself eligible for the draft. It runs at the same time as Super Rugby, so it's like a pre-Super Rugby game, and you build it up as this comp instead. And then from there, like you said, players sign these contracts for them, so they'll go into a professional level. They won't be making big money. It's not going to be a super rugby type thing, but it'll be their first rugby contracts. You can sign them there. It'll be year on, year on type thing like that. It's it's not, it's all player-driven type thing. So then at the end of each year, it comes to it and you go, you know, we're drafting Luke Bowden, who went to Wellington College and played for the Sydney Sharks um, based out of Sydney. Again, you could do that. I would, I would do it where I would have an Australian competition and a New Zealand competition, and then you just cross over, like, maybe one or two games a year, or just finals crossover type thing like that. Um, and like you said, you've still got to scout both sides. I just think it takes the age issue out of those college players. If a college player is ready to go, they can put their hand straight into the draft. I've got no problem with that as well. I just think it then takes away that pressure of some of those players not being ready and gives us that opportunity for the players to define what they're... And the difference with this in the G League is the G League, everyone's going there for one year and then hoping to, to go for it. You could have a player come out, be 18, and not be ready for the draft and sign a contract and end up playing for a team for four years, you know, a mess 50-odd games. Like You could actually get behind some of these players and go, I support the Sydney Sharks, and then my player got drafted to the New South Wales Waratahs. How great is that? Like, you know, he spent four years with the Sharks, then now he's a Waratah. I just think that yep. would improve that opportunity i can see what you're saying i think yeah that is one thing that is concerned me the most is that the is that high school is like at 18 is a kid ready um i i think you could you could draft them at that age but then they have to play a year outside of super rugby like they have to play a year for a super rugby affiliated team like you do have that g league but the g league is affiliated with a super rugby team and then they have to play that team for a year and then they can choose to step up to the big leagues or not the year after. Like um, like similar to the MLB thing, right? Yeah. Where they play in that minor minor team until for, for at least a year. I think though you, you do put a restriction in of a year at the, at the mid-level. So you, high school, mid-level, super rugby, they play a year. But like, so the Sydney Sharks is affiliated with the New South Wales Waratahs. Um, and then you, they play for that team for, a year, yeah. and then they can be elevated. They can be elevated. They don't necessarily have to be elevated, but they can be elevated. And then you can have that mid-level team, that Sydney Sharks team, as I still, I do like that competition idea of that G League competition. I just think, so again, you threw onto my idea, I'm throwing back onto your idea that it's just affiliated. Instead yeah. of uh, everything you said, basically, but it is affiliated, and it is the draft, at the high school draft, it is like New South Wales Waratahs pick 
Johnny Smith out of Wellington College. Um, and then Johnny Smith goes and plays a year for the Sydney Sharks or whatever they're called. Yeah. And then he can be elevated at that point to the Waratahs after that year. Um, and they, he's on a different contract from from playing Sydney Sharks level to playing um, Waratahs. I think you could add other stipulations in there as well. Uh, like you can maybe have something about a university education. Uh, like, you know, if you play, um, if you play in the G League level, like maybe that's a thing as well. It's like if you play in the G League level, um, the your university education is played for, and you you as long as you are playing for the G League team, you can be studying at university because obviously the demands are lesser than while you're in a Super Rugby team, and in that way they can get their degree and then move on up to the big leagues, something like that. Like this, I think there's options to play around with there. And I think there's potential for that, and I think if that's where they're looking at for a Super Rugby draft, that's the direction they've got to look at. Totally, I I think there's. There are so many options, and there are. I think there's lots of good ways it can be done. It's just a the money side of it. Obviously, that's where we we can come up with these big ideas, but we're not around the the, the big circles deciding them and seeing where the money's coming from. And then b how that actually works for player safety um, is obviously very important as well. Alrighty, well that is us done and dusted for another week. Um, I don't think either our teams play for a while now. I think we've got a bit of a break. Um, we don't play till the twenty eighth of August, which is our last trial match before the World Cup, and that's against France. And we play South Africa on the twenty sixth of August. So yeah, in London, in Twickenham, sold out Twickenham, which will be a good day at it. Um, but there is rugby this weekend. Tonga take on Canada. Georgia and Romania, Portugal, USA, England, Wales again, France, Scotland, and Chile, and Namibia. So a few good games of footy to watch as we wake up on a Sunday morning. Um, awesome. Other than that, uh, be ready for Wednesday. There's a special video coming out on our YouTube page, so make sure you're subscribed and have notifications turned on because that is going to be a banger um, where one of us will be winning. Uh, and one of us will be losing a competition. <laughs> Other than that, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we have been That Rugby Podcast. My name has been Luke. That has been Husey. We will see you later. Goodbye.